Hey, would you take out the Bibles that are in front of you, please? Turn to John chapter 14. Ought to be on about page 1605. John chapter 14. This is the last of the I am statements. For seven weeks, we have talked about who is God. And Jesus' own words saying, I am the bread of life, the good shepherd, the light of the world. Each different side of who God is calls for a different response from us. This is the last one we'll touch on. Like several of the others, it comes at the very end of Jesus' life. He has just had the Last Supper. He is just going to be betrayed. And here, he says the most controversial of all the I am's. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Uh, Along with problems of sexuality, probably the most challenging claim of Christianity is I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. It sounds so parochial in a cosmopolitan, multi-religious world. It sounds so judgmental. It would not have sounded that way to Jesus' followers. They were Jews. They had spent a thousand years as a nation coming to believe that there really is just one God. That one God had spoken to them repeatedly through word and through action, through great signs. So they believed that there was just one God and one way to God. They wouldn't have had problems with that. What the problem was for them was Jesus' claim to be that one way. When we think of Jesus as a real person, one of my friends said, his claim is extra striking. He ends the Bible, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, so go and make disciples, that is followers of me, in all nations, teaching them to obey, not to know, but to obey everything that I have commanded you. That's a lot of authority. That's somebody who thinks they're really special. Confucius? Never said that. The Buddha never said that. Socrates never said anything like that. Dear Abby never said anything like that. Even Oprah (laughs) never said that. Jesus did. This part of Jesus' life is not about ego. He's famous for a different kind of leadership, for a life-giving, sacrificing, serving kind of humility. He's just washed the feet of the disciples that he's talking to. But Jesus knew that he brought the human race more than just knowledge. He brought them true goodness. How you receive being good, what sustains a human being through life and death and beyond. Jesus did not seem to care about anybody's opinions of him. In that, he was not a very good pastor. We care so much that you will like us. But Jesus didn't go home after the Sermon on the Mount and ask the disciples, how do you think that went? Was there enough humor in it? He says, I am. Listen to what he thinks I am. And if you don't mind, if the person before you has not done this, would you pull out a pen or a pencil and underline several things so that the next person will have a clear idea of what I am means? Starts in verse 1 of chapter 14. Underline this, don't let your hearts be troubled, 
trust in God, trust also in me. What that means that their hearts are troubled. He knows that they're scared. They're having desperate trouble trusting him because there's not crowds all around him anymore. He's not turning water into wine. No bread for the masses. This is tough times. They're having trouble trusting. So he says, trust God. They're having trouble trusting. I say, welcome to the club. Me too. Verse 2, my father's house has plenty of room. If that weren't so, would I have told you I'm going to prepare a place for you? What that says to me is that there's lots of room in the house. Lots of different rooms. It's a big, generous, wide, mysterious view of what God is going to do for other people that we don't know about. But it's also a very specific place. God seems to want the house full and diverse. But it's a specific place, isn't it? I mean, you can call the Target Center the Metrodome if you want, but they're not the same place. Don't try to play football in the Target Center. You can call Washburn McGreevy a hospital, but don't go there if you want to get better. It's a funeral home. They are different places. And Jesus says, there is this place, my house. And if I go, he says, and prepare a place for you, I will come back. Circle that, please. If I go and prepare a place, I will come back. That's the great promise. And that's the difference. Jesus goes first. And Jesus comes back. We said last week that you need to understand that what makes Christianity different is not the teachings of Jesus. We're going to spend much of the winter talking about the top 12 things that Jesus ever taught about. That's important. But what makes this place different is not the teachings of Jesus. It's that he said, I'm going to die and I'll come back for you. It all rises or falls on the resurrection. If he did not come back from the dead, don't believe this stuff. Verse 4. You know the place I'm going. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. I am. He's, I think, actually mimicking the words of the Old Testament. Remember when Moses is talking to God, and God is saying, go rescue the slaves from Egypt? He says, who am I supposed to tell the Pharaoh that sent me? What makes you different, God? God says, tell them that I am sent you. I am. Jesus is saying, I am. It is, um, it is both about knowing where you're supposed to go and then going there. No one comes. It calls for belief. It calls for response. You're not called to just believe. You get that in verse 7. If you really know me, so there's a difference about between knowing about somebody and knowing somebody. If you really know me, you'll know the Father as well. Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough. Philip, don't you know me even after all this time? Anyone who has seen me 
has seen the Father. Tell them that I am has sent you. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say are not on my own authority. It's the Father living in me, doing his work. Believe me. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Believe me or at least believe the evidence of the works that you see. Philip says, show us the Father and we'll believe. Thomas says, how do we know the way? They're just like us. They're just like us. They don't know who they can trust. They don't know which way to go. And it's only three days till the election. They don't know which way to go and who to trust. They turn to Jesus and say, where are you going? Why are you leaving us? How do we get there? Are you in a place where you don't know quite where to go next? This is a a life that's filled with all kinds of decisions. About which school and which relationship and which kid and which job and what time to retire and how to apologize for that stupid thing you said again. All kinds of choices and we realize that every choice we make has consequences, does it? Jesus says, I am the way. Come toward the way. I, uh, I thought of a, an example of this, but I was afraid that it was a culturally dated reference. It's from a movie. It's only about four minutes long, but it's from a movie that's 23 years old. The same year that I came here, this movie came out. And so I thought, well, is this too old? So I asked an 18-year-old kid who's one of our custodians, I said, do you know this film? And he goes, oh, man, that's a classic. (laughs) So the next time you wonder about which way do you go, remember this. So I've checked out the DVD. Sorry you can't watch the rest of the movie tonight. (laughs) I I, uh, showed this to the young woman in the video booth and said, did you get the point? She goes, yes, I did. Harrison Ford is very handsome. (laughs) You got to take it one step at a time. It's about the path we choose. And it reinforces the idea that There is a right way to go and very wrong ways to go. Now, i got to tell you, from my perspective, it's it's never that clear cut. It's never that right now, maybe once in your life. Almost every day, all day, we have choices about which way to turn. And when Jesus says, I am the way, he's talking about coming to him. But I don't think he's saying, think three times about every step you take, because if you make a wrong step, you're going to hell. He's saying that there is a narrow way. Remember that? He said, the road is broad and leads to destruction, but the path is narrow to the kingdom. The early believers were not known as Christians. They were known as people of the way. Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But he is saying, I am the way of life. Not just the way to life after you die. There is a Jesus path. 
and it's not at all about knowledge, and it's not at all about sincerity. You can sincerely make the wrong decision over and over, and bad things happen, right? The people who took care of President George Washington were sincere in their belief that if they just bled him a little more, he would get better. And he died because they stole his blood. Sincerity does not show us the path Jesus does. So I guess I want to ask today, not so much are you on the way, because I think every one of us is on the way, but what way? What way are you on? Because we all end up somewhere. The book of Proverbs a couple times says this, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, that way leads to death. I got to tell you, I think there are many ways, many paths in our culture that seem right to a man, but lead to death. They are often in contrast, actually, to what you hear about in here. What you hear about in here sounds rigid and not cool, not current, and in contrast to what you hear out there. I'm not going to talk about marriage or sex. Did you ever think you'd be tired of talking about marriage and sex? Because Jesus talks much more about other things than he does about that. And he says that there is a way different from the world. For instance, if people were to look at America, they would say part of what success means in our society is that you have enough. Not that you have to be rich as somebody, but that you have enough and a little bit more. We like to think of ourselves generous, but that's because we have enough and a little more. A far bigger challenge in our society is to find the narrow way of Jesus who said, I am the way. Because on that way is contentment in the midst of economic upheaval. Whether you have a lot or a little. There is outrageous generosity. Outrageous generosity, not tipping into the offering plate. Outrageous generosity in the midst of a struggle for security. You want to hear about the narrow way, hear this. Consider the lilies of the field. When you look at the abundance of your life, consider the lilies of the field and say, who's really rich? He tells a story of a rich man who builds barns. He says, you fool, you're dying tomorrow. He turns to a young man that he loves and says, give it all up and follow me to show the young man that he was really in love with money. Jesus says, the way, the truth, the life, the way is to give away money richly in secret. So that people don't go, oh, what a philanthropist. And to give that money even to your enemies. The road is narrow. But I am the way, the truth, and there is life. It's also about life and death. We live in a death-defying culture, a youth-worshipping culture. Rich and Jody have done over 40 funerals this year, and that none of them did. Somebody stand up and say, oh, good! We don't know how to handle death in our culture. And, and, And so Jesus answers that by saying, 
I am going across the boundary of life to death and I'm coming back for you. Take the same way that I do. Believe this All Saints weekend that the dead are not dead. That you will find them with Christ waiting for you. Laura and I um, went on a sabbatical last year. And in one of our travels, we went to Switzerland. We went to this beautiful little mountain village of Lauterbrunnen, which sits right at the foot of a famous uh, mountain, the Eiger. It's breathtaking. That's the north face. Starting in the 1850s, people successfully climbed the Eiger, but usually from the west face, not until... The middle of the century did people actually climb the Eiger's north face. And people try it every year. And only about one in three or one in four make it. People still die almost every year trying to climb this mountain. People are not very smart. About one in three make it to the top. But over 95% of that one in three have a guide. The key to success is to have a guide. You may be uh, lost right now. You may be in some kind of recovery mode. You, You may be stalled in your life or not sure what comes next. You may be excited and are running forward full speed. Maybe you need to recalibrate what's really important to you because you're filled with fear. Can I just tell you that one of the reasons that God brought you here this morning was that you would hear a voice from the shepherd again saying, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Come to me. Come to me. This is um, All Saints weekend. One of the other pictures at the top of the Eiger is of the group of mountaineers who have made it and they're looking out over the incredible vista of these other mountains. And that's my impression of what All Saints Day is about. They are at the top of the mountain and they are waiting for us and they want to cheer us on. And Jesus keeps going back down the mountain for the people that are lost to pick up the ones that are tired To yell out extra loud for the ones of you who have doubts or are turning the wrong way. And when we get to the top of the mountain, we'll hear the voices of the people that we love. And on days like this, in places like this, we will remember their faces. And even though we cry, we will hear the voice of the shepherd saying, They're with me. They're alive.